I just want to have a little fun today. Is that is that too much to ask for? You guys mind if I have a little fun today? Y'all mind if I have a good week? We're going to talk about 10 players that changed the way that we play this game of fantasy football. We're only going to date back to like 2000 because I didn't play prior to 2000. My first few years playing fantasy football were in the early 2000s, mid-2000s, like 2003-ish and onwards. So I was like, you know, 12, 13, 14-ish years old when I started getting into the game sunk its hooks in me and now i'm here yapping about it on youtube on a daily basis so i wanted to pay some homage to the players that paved the way for me as well as many of you guys i went on twitter last week and i just posted it's what people do i went on twitter and i tweeted i asked what players change the way that we play fantasy football and i will link that thread down below because we've got a lot of great answers. And I kind of culminated a lot of the um, the responses to make this list. It's 10 players. It's 14 players. I don't fucking know. Maybe it's six players. And there's a mix. There's, there's guys that were just iconic. There's guys that stood out because their size didn't fit into what we had done at the time. Some of it has to do with like positional value. Some of it has to do with strategy and all types of things like that. And I know the OGs are going to get mad at me because I'm not dating back prior to the year 2000. And some of the things that I felt like were changed in fantasy football might have already been changed by people prior to 2000. This is one video in which I will allow y'all to yell at me. If you're an OG, if you're someone bike bike in the day that's been playing for 30, 40 years and you have guys to add to the list, throw it in the comments. I think the comment section of this video could be one of the coolest, like, forums on YouTube in this space right now. So add to the list as we talk about it, okay? And the very first player on this list, we're going to talk about after I tuck my damn shirt. Y'all thought. Y'all thought. Bitch, you thought. The very first player on this list, the first player that comes to mind when I think about standing out in fantasy football, the reason I play fantasy football, the reason I am an Atlanta Falcons fan is none other than Mike Vick. Legend, iconic, everything, okay? Probably my most frequently asked question. Anytime I open up a Q&A, an AMA, why are you a Falcons fan? I was born in Brooklyn, New York. I live in Manhattan right now. Why am I a Falcons fan? Because when I started watching football, was the time when Michael Vick came into the league and he was the most electric athlete on the planet. He was must-watch football at the time. Fell in love with him and have just stuck with the Falcons since. That's why I'm a Falcons fan. He is half the reason I got into fantasy football to begin with. He is the first quarterback that ever ran for over 1,000 yards in a season. Now, if people who just started playing over the last five years went back and looked at Michael Vick, Michael Vick's stats, it's a poor man's version of what Lamar Jackson gives us pretty much now. This is how things work, though. Over the years, over the 15, 20 years that things develop, athletes become bigger, stronger. There's a lot more information at hand, right? A lot more dietary information, a lot more workout information. We know now how important sleep is. We know now how important a lot of things are, plus a lot of new technology for recovery and all these types of things that make athletes that's why like comparing athletes from era to era is a fucking useless conversation to have any athlete that's dominating the sport now would be the best player of all time had they played 40 years ago in the body that they have now because they wouldn't have had that same fucking body this is how progression works in the human race all right so don't fucking come at me telling me michael vick is not a legend because his statistics aren't up there they were there at the time god damn it and then keto 
was invented. Still to this day, Michael Vick's 6,109 rushing yards, most of all NFL quarterbacks in a career of all time. Will obviously be snapped eventually. You know, Lamar Jackson, Justin Fields, one of those guys will break it. But for right now, the GOAT. After his big rushing seasons, you you fucking better believe he was a top five pick in one quarterback leagues. Was it a good pick? Absolutely not. But he changed the way we looked at rushing quarterbacks. He changed the way we looked at players at that position. And he changed the way NFL GMs looked at players at the position. Next guy up on this list is Wes Welker. We got a lot, a lot of tweets about Wes Welker and how he basically became like the poster child for PPR. If you look back to 1990, Wes Welker basically owns four of the top 40 reception seasons of all time. He was putting up reception totals 123, 122, 118, 112. So valuable to that offense, but so non-valuable to fantasy if you were playing in standard leagues. He pushed the agenda of half PPR and PPR leagues. Wes Welker was an absolute game changer. Wes Welker was the Julian Edelman before Julian Edelman. Wes Welker was everything that a slot wide receiver embodied at the time. And this list would be an absolutely terrible list if LaDainian Tomlinson was not mentioned as one of the first guys on this list. And you could make the case that Marshall Falk was there too. But a lot of the responses, LT was at that borderline of like when I first started getting into fantasy. So I can't really speak to how leagues, because at the time I was just playing with a bunch of my stupid fucking high school friends. So we weren't like in the industry understanding the, uh, the, the trends and stuff going on. But what I was told in these threads of tweets was basically like LT was single-handedly the reason third round reversal drafts exist today. I've also been told that he's the reason that auction drafts exist today because if you got the first pick in your fantasy league and LaDainian Tomlinson was available, you basically won your league. That's kind of how it was for Marshall Falk too, so I would imagine that people play playing in the 90s would feel that same way. But just to give you some context, if again, if you are someone who has only played fantasy the last like five or even 10 years and didn't watch football dating back to like the early 2000s, LaDainian Tomlinson as a rookie put up over 1,600 yards from scrimmage and scored 10 touchdowns, and that would be his worst season of the next seven seasons. The next year, 2,100 yards, 15 touchdowns. The year after that, 2,300 yards, 17 touchdowns. The year after that, 1,700 yards, 18 touchdowns. The year after that, 1,800 yards, 20 touchdowns, and one of the most iconic seasons of all time, 2,300 yards and 31 touchdowns. Imagine drafting a player in today's fantasy football world and they scored 31 touchdowns for you. Like we thought C-Mac and Todd Gurley were dominant over the last five years. LaDainian Tomlinson was on a level that cannot be comprehended by the fucking Excel sheet nerds in the industry today. So I cannot verify whether or not he was the reason that auction drafts and third round reversals exist, but there is no chance in hell that I would deny that. That that era actually was just like a workhorse era. If you go back at the stats and look at like rushing production, it's on a steady decline in terms of just like workhorse roles. Because you look at like Marshall Falk, Ladanian Tomlinson, Priest Holmes, like the amount of work that these guys got in the early 2000s, it was like if you weren't putting up 20 touchdowns a year at that point, you weren't really that good of a workhorse. Now, if someone puts up a 20-touchdown season, they are without a doubt clear the 101 for the following year. I got a lot of responses on that thread about Travis Kelsey. The, the question I was asking was not who are some awesome fantasy players over the last 10 years. It was who changed the game. There were Travis Kelsey's before Travis Kelsey's existed, and they were 
Antonio Gates. They were Tony Gonzalez. They were Rob Gronkowski. And the impact that they made, those guys made people draft tight ends in the first round. When everybody else faded the position, these were some of the guys that came in and actually forced first-round tight ends to be drafted. So Kelsey, yes, he's been phenomenal for the last you know six, seven years of his career and will go down as one of, if not the GOAT statistically when all is said and done. But these guys did what Kelsey did before them. And there might even be dudes before that that also did it, but these ones were the ones during my lifetime that like really made you think differently about the tight end position. Speaking of the tight end position, hybrid players, man. Anyone who's played the last few years, like Taysom Hill deserves his own slot. Uh, I lost a fucking playoff game in a dynasty league one year because some asshole was able to put Taysom Hill in the tight end spot when he was starting quarterback games for the New Orleans Saints. And he put up, obviously, like 35 points that game. Lost my playoff spot because of that fucking start he had. Taysom Hill changed the way that people drafted him, but there were hybrid players before him. Ty Montgomery, Marcus Colston, CJ Spiller even got a hybrid label, Joe Webb. So these were dudes that some platforms, Yahoo, ESPN, gave the wide receiver slash running back or wide receiver slash tight end or quarterback slash tight end labels and changed the way that we might look at a guy, right? Because he's not as valuable if he's just a running back. But now if you could put a 10 carry, three catch running back into your wide receiver slot, now we talking. I think Darren Sproles and Danny Woodhead deserve a spot on this list. They were kind of like the Wes Welker of running backs where they were fine on the ground, but they basically forced people to start moving their leagues to half PPR and PPR because they were so valuable as running backs in real life, but 90% of their production came through catching passes and being a dynamite receiver out of the backfield. So they opened up the third down back. They opened up pass catching backs to be relevant in fantasy football. And it was a beautiful thing to see. Arian Foster, if 50% of the reason I play fantasy football is because of Michael Vick, the other 50% is Arian Foster. Because when I started getting more serious about fantasy football, it coincided when, like the first like five years I played, I was just, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I was like 12 years old, right? But when I first started getting serious about fantasy football, that was when Arian Foster came into the league. Now, some of you young guys might not understand the impact that Arian Foster had. This dude was 6'1", 230 pounds. He went undrafted in the NFL draft. His rookie year, he only played six games, three touchdowns, like 350 yards. His sophomore year for the Houston Texans, he played all 16 games, 2,200 yards from scrimmage, 18 touchdowns, 84 targets, 66 catches. The next year, 1,800 yards from scrimmage, 12 touchdowns. The next year, 1,600 yards from scrimmage, 17 touchdowns. This guy opened the door to undrafted free agent running backs. This guy opened the door to understand the prototype of a player regardless of draft capital. This guy opened up the door to look at different things that you might look for in a fantasy player. Arian Foster, I remember picking him up before that sophomore year right before the season started, and he's the reason why I thought I was good at fantasy football. I wasn't at the time, but he's probably the reason I make YouTube videos to this day. To this day! To this day! So Arian Foster might not have impacted a lot of people, but he impacted my... Arian Foster legitimately probably impacted my life, maybe as much as any human being on earth, which is really sad to say, but it's true. So Arian Foster's on there. Two other running backs I want to throw some love to. Jonathan Stewart and D'Angelo Williams. We we put out videos every day on TikTok doing like NFL fantasy football trivia and people love them. So if you're if you're new to our brand and you're or you're not on TikTok or whatever, I would go check that out. We also have a YouTube channel that does just NFL and fantasy trivia that you guys might also like and we'll link that down below. 
And one of the trivias I did, I pulled up, and there have been, uh, I think, like 26 teammate duos over the last like 20 years since 2000 that have rushed for 750 yards in the same season, right? The obvious ones over the previous years have been like Jalen Hurts, Miles Sanders, a lot of quarterbacks in recent years. But going back earlier, it was, it, it was impossible to find duos that did like a thousand yards or more in the same on the same team in the same season. There are a few of them, but Jonathan Stewart and D'Angelo Williams were like the first duo that opened up you to being like, I actually want to go ahead and draft two running backs from the same team, not handcuff guys. Not dudes that like, okay, this guy's kind of talented. Dudes that you were like, I don't care if Jonathan Stewart is the RB2 in this backfield. He will be the RB2 in my fantasy lineup. And you'll feel fucking good about it. Since 1985, Jonathan Stewart and D'Angelo Williams are one of just two running back duos. Brandon Jacobs and Derek Ward, shout out to Bree Jakes, to run for 1,000 yards in the same season. It was beautiful. It was just beautiful. Who else do we got here? Antonio Brown, like one of the few dudes, like he was getting number one overall draft love in fantasy football drafts, which was kind of unheard of in the era that he was. It was all running back. Everyone loved workhorse running backs and especially being undersized. There weren't a ton of guys over the last 20 years that broke that type of mold and made you think differently about undersized wide receivers that are fast, quick twitch, and really good separators, right? The last 20 years had just been inspired by dudes like Calvin Johnson and Des Bryant and, uh, you know, Andre Johnson, Larry Fitz, Terrell Owens, Brandon Marshall, these bigger alpha type wide receivers. And there have obviously been other ones that were like smaller size, but Antonio Brown was like the clear number one receiver in the league for a good like five years and probably the number one offensive skill player in the league for five years. So he made fantasy drafts different and he opened the door to the next generation of younger undersized wide receivers that were wildly good separators on that list Deshaun Jackson you can't go through a draft class anymore without someone comping someone to Deshaun Jackson oh this guy's the next Deshaun Jackson he was like the definition of boomer bust type players when it came to like draft analysis he for sure opened the door for people to draft boomer bust type players because he might go for 20 yards one game but he might go for a buck 20 and two touchdowns the next game and you could almost rely on that happening every other game this dude was the one of the fastest players to ever play in the NFL. Super fucking exciting. You just you just couldn't get hands on him. Deshaun Jackson was a dude that changed the way we looked at boomer bust type players. And again, you just can't go through a draft class without thinking about who the next Deshaun Jackson is. People always go, oh, this guy's the next Tyree Kill. And when they realize that's an absurd fucking comparison, their next come down is actually, he's not the next Tyree Kill. He's the next Deshaun Jackson. And I wanted to throw whoever the first like handcuff running back was on this list, but I really couldn't like figure out who that might be. So one of you OGs, if you do remember a year where like drafting a handcuff became a thing in fantasy football, I'd love to kind of add that to the list. I'm sure there was a year where there was like a stud running back went down. This guy, actually, it might have been fucking Jonathan Stewart, Daniel Williams. But regardless, uh, handcuffs became a thing at one point where you wanted to, you know, have insurance or security behind your stud running back. And I think those are like the 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 main guys I wanted to get on the list. We could definitely have some honorable mentions. Someone in the Twitter thread mentioned uh Tom Brady and Randy Moss as it relates to like stacking teammates. I don't think a lot of people like to stack. They always thought that it was like, okay, if you pick two players from the same team, that gets really risky because if they're bad, then then your team just does really, really, really bad. But the upside of having a stack is obviously what they did in 2007 together. If you stack those two together, you got 73 fucking touchdowns and 6,300 yards between those two. And I'm sure they're not like, obviously people were probably stacking before that. I'm sure there were quarterback duos with wide receiver duos that were stacked. But 
in terms of like really capturing the upside statistically of stacking two players together, Brady Moss, I can't imagine there were a lot that came before these two that you wanted together on the same team. And now I can't fucking draft teams without thinking of stacking players. Uh, I think Jerome Bettis could get his way onto just like a fat running back that was an absolute wildebeest, like 250 pounds. Uh, Devin Hester was cool too because he was returning touchdowns at just like an alarming rate and that made defenses kind of a thing in fantasy football where you're like, you know what, I might actually just draft the Chicago Bears defense because maybe they're good, but also maybe Devin Hester is going to give me an extra six points every other week. And there are other receivers like that or other return men like that, like Dante Hall, Cordell Patterson even at a point, uh, Devin Hester, but I think think he changed the way fantasy was played a little bit. But I'm going to wrap it up there. I'm going to wrap it up there. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this video. It was kind of fun to make. And if you have any other players that you want to add to this list drop them in the comments down below let's yell at each other but let's let's spread some positivity first and y'all can do that by hitting the thumbs up button and subscribing to the channel if you are new here we're doing new videos pretty much every single day again go check out the other youtube channel as well as our tiktok the nfl trivia link down below i love y'all and i will see you tomorrow probably When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.